thank you so much for tuning in to the Assembly of Perry, Georgia podcast. Let's join Pastor Tim McLaughlin for the message. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. How many of you want to please God? I mean, that's what we all want. We want to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Father, we just thank you again for the opportunity to be here. Help me to teach your word with accuracy. Lord, to to be clear in what you've laid on my heart. Be with those that are here tonight. Give them ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive what the Lord is saying to them. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Somebody else had cataract surgery this week. Um, uh, uh, Tom Reiser, didn't he have some? I think, I th- yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, glad you're doing good, brother. <laughs> Jesus. My wife's t- talking about some exercise you can do to strengthen your eyes, something with spoons or something. I- I'm going to try it. I just, my, my readers just keep on getting, but anyhow, in Jesus' name. All right. So I love this. Um, so last week, we finished up with uh, appropriating your healing. And I finished up with, you know, one of the ways you appropriate your healing is you appropriate by faith. Hey, was John, are you out there? Where's John? Oh, there. Okay. I'm hollering at John. I don't know where John's at. He locked the doors and somebody's trying to get in. Um, sorry about that. It's too cold to keep you locked out. Uh, so uh, we talked about appropriating your healing. You appropriate by faith. Well, when we talk about appropriating, it's, it's to receive. It's to make it personal. It's to grab hold of. And um, sometimes, sometimes it's easy. I, I shared last week, I think it was, like if I had this piece of paper and I said, here, Eric, the only way that Eric can get that is he's got to grab it, right? That's, that's appropriating. But sometimes what we need to do is we need to appropriate that by faith. It's, it's not like... I don't know about you, I've never seen Jesus, all right? I believe that he is, but I've never actually seen him, but I believe. That's faith. And so I can, when I go to prayer, I can appropriate, I can, I, I can in my mind, by faith, I can grab hold of Jesus. I grab hold of him through his word. And so I got to thinking about this faith, and I've taught on this before, and, and, and hopefully when it's all said and done, I'll take it to a different direction, because as I'm thinking about faith, and reading through the Bible, there's different areas of faith. And we're not going to get to that tonight, but, but hopefully over the next couple of weeks as we talk about faith, we're going to look at some different areas of faith that we have. And, and it's not that one area is worse than another. It's just that as we climb through it, we, we, we do it all and understand. I don't want to have the same faith that I had 20 years ago. I want to make sure that my faith is growing all right, and so we're going to walk through that. But, but it starts off right here in verse 6. Without this faith, it's impossible to please God. God is pleased when we understand and we believe what His Word says. And, and we can look at several examples. We're going to look at some tonight. But you can look at several examples of faith. Hebrews 11 is, is the, the hall of faith. It's the whole, everything in here, it talks about faith and and when you start thinking about these things, God is pleased when we don't have to have 
the proof right in front of us to know that it's true. God's plea, you know, think, think about salvation, right? You know, we had, we had to believe that he was going to forgive us. We, we, we had to believe that, that our sins were uh, separated as far as the east is from those before we ever experienced it. I believed, I believed in my deliverance from substance abuse way before um, it ever took place because I, I, I knew that, that God would deliver. I had seen it in other people's lives. Uh, the Bible says we've been made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the words of our testimony. I had heard others' testimony about what God had done in their life, and I believed it for me. Uh, I remember the first time I read The Cross and the Switchblade by David Wilkerson, and he said, you know, there's a lot of 12-step and 6-step and 10-step programs. He said, we believe in one step, and he said it's the 30-second cure. And I thought, 30-second cure? Man, I've been dealing with this for 25 years. What's the 30-second cure? Jesus. Call out to him. And, and, and when I finally got a hold of that, it changed everything. So, so my faith pleases God. Um, and then he goes on. He says, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. I've probably shared this before, but I'll never forget. There used to be a Greyhound bus station in Cookville years ago. They, they've closed it down and built this big thing now. But back in the day, it was a little tiny. I mean, it was this guy had probably about a 20 by 20 little office that he ran the bus station out of. And uh, he had this cork board up on his wall. And hanging on the cork board was a piece of paper about this size. And it said, uh, it said I would rather believe that Jesus is who he says he is and die and find out that he's not than to live as though he is not who he says he is and die and find out that he is. That's, that's believing that God is. So if we have faith, if we believe that he is, then he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Because only those that are operating in faith will seek him. Right? Right? It all works together. If, if, if we don't believe that He is God, if we don't believe that the, the Holy Spirit's real, if we don't believe that Jesus Christ died for us, if we don't believe that the Word is truth, we're not going to be seeking Him. But if you believe all those things, then what happens is you read this differently. <clears throat> you know, I, I, re, I, I had a Bible. Uh, I had a Bible when I was a sinner. When I was strung out on, on, on drugs, I had a Bible. And occasionally I would pick it up and, and I would go through and I'd find it. You know, any, any of you ever do, you know, the whole, the, you know, you hold your up right there and you, oh, God must want me to read this, right? You ever done that type of, and I mean, I would try to do those things all the time. And I didn't have a clue. But then when I got saved, when God delivered me, when, 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 when man, I got this revelation of who he really, I began to read this word differently and I hunger for it. For, for, for those of you that have been around me, you know, you know I get up every morning and I read my Word. This is disgusting, but, but when I don't read my Bible in the morning, it's like leaving the house without brushing my teeth. And if you left the house this morning without brushing your teeth, I've got some Listerman strips for you, but that's just a, ugh, I can't imagine that. You get up in the morning and you brush your teeth. I get up in the morning and I read my Word because I'm hungry for it. I'm diligently seeking the Word of God because I know I know by faith in who he is and that he wants to reward me. So I got to, to thinking about this whole faith and, again, uh, getting a hold of uh, uh, our, our healing by faith. 
So what is faith? Well, Hebrews 11.1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. Right? Now, I remember, again, new Christian um, coming into the faith and reading Hebrews 11.1. 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. And I don't know about you because I know you guys are very, you know, you're, you're sound doctrine, religious folks, and you got this thing, so it makes sense to you. But the first time I read Hebrews 11, I thought, what in the world did he say? You know, it's kind of like reading over, you know, Paul over there and, and, and when he's talking about, you know, those things that I want to do, I do not do, but the things that I don't want to do, why do I do those? And I thought, I think he's on drugs, right? But then you, the more you study it and you understand what Paul's saying, it goes back to what, what the writer of Hebrews, faith is the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. So what is faith? Faith is the allegiance, did I give you the definition? There you go. Faith is the allegiance to duty or person, loyalty, fidelity to one's promises, sincerity of intentions, belief, and trust in and loyalty to God. Faith is the allegiance to Jesus. Faith is loyalty to God. Faith is fidelity to His promises. Faith is the sincerity and intentions and the belief in this Word. That's what faith is. Faith is, is when He says in Malachi 3, I will open the windows and I pour out a blessing on you you can't contain. Faith is not sitting there looking into the heavens and trying to tithe and waiting for that to happen. Faith is believing that when I do what the Word says He says to do, it's going to happen. And I believe that, and it's, it has happened in my life. Faith is when you call out to God, he is, he, He's there, and He's going to meet you. First uh, John says, this is, this, is, this is the trust that we have. Whatever we ask, we're going to receive those things. And when you have faith in that, you ask God. I was reading, um, uh, uh, I think I shared this maybe last night or whenever, um, Barry Bennett, he puts out a, a daily uh, devotion. And I, that's one of the things I look at in the morning is Barry Bennett's devotion. And he was talking this morning uh, about those things that, that, you know, we can't wait until we get it to then believe it. We've got to believe it before we're ever going to get it. And, and he goes through and he was listening to some of those things. And he was talking about Sarah. Uh, think about Sarah. The, the, and I'm probably getting ahead of myself, but, you know, the Lord comes to Abram. And they're sitting out there underneath the terebinth tree. And he says, by this time next year, Sarah's going to have a son. Well, Sarah's 90-something years old, and she's in the tent, and she hears the Lord say that. And she begins to laugh under her breath. And the Lord looks at Abram and says, why did Sarah laugh? Abram's like, I didn't even know what. She laughed. And then they ask Sarah, and she goes, I didn't laugh. Well, you just lied to the Lord. But anyhow, she laughed. And then what happened? Abram believed it a year later. There was a son. He believed it before it ever took place. That, that was the allegiance to what God said. That was his loyalty to God. And, and it goes on because what's interesting about this story is, is that Abraham so believed what God said was going to happen that when he began to talk to him about what was going to take place in Sodom and Gomorrah, he was willing to negotiate with God because he believed that what he said was true. See, 
if, if we believe in the promises of God, that makes our prayer life different. If we believe that the word is true, then when we pray, we pray with a... Di- and again, it goes back to Hebrews eleven six, Diligently seeking Him. Alright? So if you, if you look at the definition of faith, the allegiance to, duty, or a person, loyalty, fidelity, if you look at it that way, you could actually look at Hebrews 11.1. 1. And again, I, I know the Bible says don't add to, change, or whatever, but, but understand that our Bible is written in an English... And when you go back and you begin to look at stuff, you, you, can, you can read it differently. Uh, N.T. Wright, uh, how many of you know who N.T. Wright is? Not one of you, okay. I love N.T. Wright, I'm reading a book of his right now. N.T. Wright actually wrote a New Testament. Uh, he, he, um, he didn't write it, I mean he, he um, translated, thank you. He translated into his own words and how he felt because he went back to the original Greek. And so he wrote a translation of the New Testament Bible. And it's, man, it's just really, really good. So you could actually look at Hebrews 11. One, I've got a couple, some things as I went through and I was looking at the definition. And I thought, if I had to describe to somebody what faith is based on this definition, what could I tell them? Well, I could say without a complete trust in God, it's impossible to please him. Without a complete trust in God, all right? Again, Hebrews eleven six. 6, without faith it's impossible to please him. So you could say, without a complete trust in who God is, in his word, it's impossible to please him. Or you could say this, without an allegiance to God, it's impossible to please him. Who are you allegiant to? Who, who, who does your loyalty lie with? Here's another one. Without a commitment to God's promises and sincerity of His intentions, it's impossible to please Him. Without a commitment to God and to His promises and sincerity in His intentions, it's impossible to please Him. We need to, we need to understand that we need to make it plain to people. Um, because again, when, when I was lost and when I didn't know any better, and I read... Hebrews 11, I mean, there, there was some of this stuff, even in some of the other more modern translations, I didn't really understand what is this faith that the writer's talking about? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a complete trust in God. It's an allegiance to Him. It's a commitment to God's promises. I've made a lot of commitments to a lot of people and a lot of things, but it's my commitment to God's promises. And when you commit to God's promises and you understand... Again, it goes back to what we've talked about and we've been doing this now for three or four months. He said it, that settles it. All right. Now the phrase is, he said it, I believe it, that settles it. But whether you believe it or not, it still settles it. But when we believe it and we have faith in it, it makes it a whole lot easier for us to, to deal with. So why do we need to have this kind of faith in order to please God? Your, your relationship... Every one of us as believers, our relationship is largely determined by our faith. Um, next Wednesday night, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm already, I've sent Miss Julie some, some notes for uh, what I'm going to be talking about. And, and I just finished teaching three weeks on Psalm 23 and breaking Psalm 23 down. Next week, I'm going to look at Psalm chapter 10. And so you can go ahead and start reading Psalm 10 if you want to get ahead for next Wednesday night. But 
But when you start looking at Psalm 10 and, and, and several other psalms that I'm going to break down, you realize how, how much David truly trusted in the Lord. I mean, sometimes you read these psalms and you're like, oh my gosh, I would never talk to God that way. But David understood God's characteristics. He understood how God operated. And he knew that he could be honest with God when he prayed and when he sought after him. And we need to understand that, that, that if we understand how God's going to respond when we present him to his word, we ask differently, right? Uh, I think I talked to you about it the last week or the week before that. Um, when, when Lex and TC would come up to me and they'd start chug, tugging in my pocket, dad, 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 dad. They knew how I was going to respond. So knowing how, they were, how I would respond would determine how they would approach me about certain things. When we understand how God's going to respond according to His Word, we can approach God differently, diligently. All right. So you must believe that He will respond according to His Word. His Word says, if you do not have this kind of faith you cannot please regardless of how good of life you think that you've lived regardless how many good deeds you do regardless of how much money you have regardless of how nice of a person you are if you don't have faith that his word is truth none of that matters you can do a lot of good deeds speak encouraging words to others give to the needy attend a great church faithfully but if you don't have faith then you're not pleasing god I talked to a lot of preachers that struggle with that kind of faith. I mean, I, I talk to preachers all the time. They're like, do you really think God still heals? I'm like, I know God still heals. I don't have to think it. I know it. Do you really think that God wants to bless you financially? I don't have to think it. I know he wants to bless you financially. He don't want us to walk around poor. Do you really think? I, I mean, they, they do those type of things. Who does that sound like? Yeah. Well, isn't, isn't that what the devil said to Eve? Did God really say? And, and I look at some of these preachers, I'm like, have you read your... They, they, they always want to go, was it 1 Corinthians... Is it 1 Corinthians 10 or something? Uh, where where he, said, he said, these things will, will, will stop, they will end. Yeah, and they think that that happened now. I'm like, that hasn't happened yet. Jesus hasn't returned. The church hasn't been taken away yet. Though the gifts are still here. Knowledge is still here. Healing is still here. Tongues are still here. I said, but because of your lack of faith, you think it's ended because it's easier to say that it ended than to try to have faith that those miracles still take place today. I've said this for, for years. There's a lot of churches that that don't teach on healing and they don't teach on the gifts of the Holy Spirit because they feel like they have to be responsible for those things. Sunday, we had a lady came forward who said, because uh, I felt like the Lord told me that, that somebody's left ear. And I asked twice and she finally came forward. She goes, well, I think you were talking to me. I'm like, you think? I mean, if it's your left ear, then it's, you know, he's probably talking. And so she came forward and I prayed for her. Now, I, I don't know what happened when she left, if anybody talked to her and found out if her left ear opened up and if she could hear out of it, but she came forward. She said, so the Lord gave me revelation knowledge that her ear, by faith, I believe, because the word says it, by faith, she came forward to receive healing and we prayed. Now, I'm not responsible for whether her, her 
ear opens up or not. Because I've done what God said to do. But see, this is where some preachers don't want to do preach on those things because they feel like, well, if it doesn't happen, then, then I've got to give an, an answer for it. I don't have to give an answer for it. That's, that's, that's up to the Lord. But by faith, I'm going to do what God says to do because I, that's my allegiance, okay? Some people can try to substitute religious activities for faith or claim to be good stewards of their resources, but they don't have faith in God. They're walking by sight, okay? They're trying to walk by what they know instead of walking by faith, which is complete trust in God. Listen, if I walked by what I knew, it'd be a short walk, right? But because I walk by faith, how many of you are um, Indiana Jones fans? Miss Julie's an Indiana. Nobody else has ever watched an Indiana Jones movie? Oh, okay. Well, all right. Well, they're they're not fans of it. You're watching, you're just not a fan. I I can't remember which one it was because I lose all the, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Tomb Raiders, all those different. But there's the one where he, he's in a cave and he comes to the edge of the cliff. And then the, the, whatever he's trying to get is on the other side of the, you know what I'm talking about? And so he's sitting there and he's reading the, the clue or whatever and thinking about what it has to do. And all of a sudden, he just goes to step. There's nothing there, but he's reading what the clue says. And he knows that the treasure's there, and he has to make a decision. So he goes ahead and steps. Well, when he steps, a stone appears, and then another, and another. Man, what a, what a great illustration for us. I don't see it, Lord, but by faith, I'm going to walk it out. Right? That, that's what pleases God, is when we can walk by that kind of faith. All right? Now... Those are all things to help try to encourage you. But understand this, faith doesn't eliminate problems, right? I mean, I've got great faith for healing, and I've struggled with sickness. I've got great faith for, and if the Bible says it, I've got great faith for it. But there have been areas in my life where, where trials still come. 2020, our house got hit by a tornado. You know, when, when I'll never forget when that tornado came through that February. And, and, and I told my wife and, and, and my daughter, I said, you guys need to get down into the bathroom and shut the door. And they went down to the bathroom. And I did what every good man does. I opened the front door. <laughs> Don't do that. I did. I'm like, I wonder what a tornado is. So I opened up the front door. And I am not kidding you. That thing was as close from here to across Todd Road. I mean, if you've never seen a tornado up close, I saw one. And when I saw it, I slammed the door, hit the deadbolt, and dove down the stairs and slid into the bathroom, hit the door with my elbow as I went in, and it sounded like a train was hitting our house. Now, why do I say that? Because I was praying the whole time. Lord, don't let it hit it. Don't let it hit it. Don't let it. We had to get a new roof. We had to get new windows on the front of the house. We got new siding all around our house. I mean, it did a lot of damage. It didn't mean my faith wasn't there. didn't mean we had insurance, thank God. God provided. I mean, all of those things. But, but without faith, it's impossible to please Him. 
But he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to go through problems because we live in this world and we've talked about that. John says, listen, in this life, you're going to have trials and tribulations. But be of good cheer. I've overcome this world. Okay? So faith is not, faith doesn't have to do with your circumstances. Right? Faith has to do with your relationship. Faith has nothing to do with your circumstances. Faith has to do with your relationship. Do you believe that he is who he says he is? And that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him? So, when we understand faith has to do with our relationship in Christ, then we can approach His Word differently and we can begin to walk this thing out differently and we can go through the trials of life differently. All right? Everybody with me? All right. Three of you are, the rest of you are catching up. All right. Matthew chapter 17. Let's look at this. Matthew 17. Matthew 17 beginning in verse number 14. It says, And when they had come to the multitude, a man came kneeling down to him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, there's, there's, there's a lot of things, and we're hopefully over the next couple of weeks we'll unpack more of this in Matthew 17 because there's so much in here that we could look at. But let's go first to the, 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 the last part of it where Jesus looked at him and said, if you had faith as a mustard seed. Has anybody ever seen a mustard seed? I mean, I mean the smallest seed, I mean, it's just, I've seen one, and yet I've seen a mustard tree. And they're, they're huge. But that seed is small. And Jesus looks at me and says, if you had faith, just that much faith, you could speak to the mountain. Now, when we talk about mountains, let's not talk about the Smokies. All right? God, God wasn't trying to get the disciples to think that they could rearrange the landscape. But what he was trying to talk to them about is this. Regardless of whatever thing is in your life, and in this particular situation, particular situation it was a demonic all right it was a demonic kid that was brought to them so even though there's this demoniac there and that happens to be the obstacle that they're dealing with Jesus said if you would have just had that much faith you could have spoke to it and said be thou removed all right that 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 faith was their complete trust in um when, when, you, when you have complete trust in what the promises of God are, you approach whatever obstacle, whatever situation, whatever things you're dealing with in this life differently, including those mountains, okay? So what God is saying is, is even with a little bit of faith, you can do big things in your life. Even with just a little bit of faith, you can do big things in your life. 
Look at this, Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Romans 12, 3. It says, For I say to you, through grace, through the grace that is given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Paul's talking right here. Now, it, what's interesting, if you look at this, now Paul's talking to the church at Rome. We, we understand that. Um, and he's talking to both Jew and Gentile. We spent eight or nine months around here going through an exegetical study of the book of Romans. But also understand this, as Paul is talking to them, Paul is one that has had to deal with this type of faith himself. All right? So God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Paul had to be thinking, and I'm just supposing here, okay? I'm not putting words into Paul's head, but Paul had to be thinking to himself. I was born a Jew. I studied at the feet of Gamaliel. I know the Torah by heart. I believe and have zeal for the things of God. But why didn't I believe that Jesus was who he says he was? Why did I struggle in that area? And so when Paul's talking, he says, and each one has been dealt a measure of faith. Understand that, that, that God didn't give everybody aces or kings, however you want to do it, however you play cards, I don't know. But, you know, God didn't give everybody, you know, everybody didn't have the faith of Abraham to start. Some people had to work their way up, and even the Apostle Paul had to work their way up. The apostles had to work their way up. Now, understand when Jesus is talking to them uh, back here in Matthew uh, um, 17, back when he's doing this, they had just got back from being sent out two by two, casting out demons, healing six. And all of a sudden they come back, and the first one that's brought to them, they struggle with. So you can obviously understand that their measure of faith was still growing. But you can say, well, pastor, if it's got to grow, why did Jesus say it just had to be a little bit? Well, sometimes even the, 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 the little bit of faith. Sometimes it's easier for us, and I say us as Christians, us as believers, us as spirit-filled Pentecostal believers, sometimes it's easier for us to believe God for mountainous miracles than it is for the common cold. Right? If I go back and I read, and, and we're not going to have time for that, you, you, you need to spend some time in your word, but if you go back and you, you, you look at all that the disciples, when they came back, all the things they were bragging about that they did when Jesus sent them out two by two. And then... They come, and right here they're, they're dealing with this, this one boy that, that's demoniac. And not that his situation was small, but understand, they're dealing with one father and his son. They had just gotten back from being out for how many ever weeks, months, in villages. If I had to put this into my, my, the way my mind works, Jesus had sent them out, and they'd been out doing tent revivals. I mean, probably hundreds of people, villages of people coming to them with their sick and their afflicted and all this stuff, and they're doing all these things because 
he had given them the Holy Spirit to do these things. He had given them the anointing to do those things. And they come back and they want to brag about it. But now there's no tent. Now there's no hundred people. Now there's no crowds to impress. Now it's just one man and his son. And Jesus said, if you just had. You, you want to speak to mountains, but you can't even. One boy, you can't even cast the. You want to believe God for the lame to walk and the blind to see, but will you speak to your cold? Will you, will you speak to... I remember a guy told me one time um, years ago, I, I was teaching on, on faith and I was teaching on believing and, 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 and speaking to the small things. And I had a guy that was in, in our Bible study, Sheridan and I were the single adult pastors at Trinity Assembly, and uh, this guy, I remember teaching it, and, and he kind of got this look on his face, and like, you know, he was staring out in the wild blue, and I, I kind of was thinking to myself, I wonder what Ron's thinking about. And I, I didn't really, I finished teaching, went on about my business. Bible study's over, everybody leaves. Um, it's probably about two weeks later, Ron comes in, he says, Pastor, he says, you remember you were talking about speaking to the small things? He says, man, he says, you know, I, I, I've been going to a Pentecost church. He said, I believe, you know, when, when people go forward for healing, he said, I'm believing. I've seen people in wheelchairs go forward, and I'm believing for healing. I've seen people, you know, all kinds of stuff. And he starts telling me all this. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your point? He said, I had this ward on my hand. And he said, it kept bothering me. And he said, it just man, I would, I would put medicine on it. I would put all these things on it. I kept doing all this stuff. And he said, that thing would not go away. He said, but you begin to speak about the mustard seed, the small things. He said, so I went home that night. And he said, I laid my finger on it. And I said, I command you in the name of Jesus to go. And he said, every day I would get up in the morning and I command it to go. I'd go to bed at night and I'd command it to go. And he said, one morning I got up and I'm getting ready to brush my teeth. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to. And it's gone. And he said, but I had dealt with that thing for so long. He said, yeah, but I've been going to this Assembly of God, Pentecostal faith church, believing for signs and wonders. And he said, I couldn't even deal with a wart. And that's how many of us are. So imagine where the disciples are at in all of this stuff. And Paul says that God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. We have enough faith to call upon the Lord to be saved. But the problem is once Jesus saves us, do we study the word out to find out what other things he's wanting to do in us, through us, and with us? See, so this is what Jesus is saying to the disciples. You had enough faith to believe that I'm the Son of God. You have enough faith to go and do the, all these other things. But you didn't believe that I gave you enough power for this one boy. And in Luke's gospel, uh, Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, it says, then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons to cure all diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom and to heal the sick. So this is the same, this is leading up to the same story that we just read, but this is from Luke's account. Look what Jesus gives them the authority to do. He says, I'm, I'm giving you the power. I'm giving you the authority over demons and diseases. Preach the kingdom. Now, not only was it a small thing, but I believe the other thing that they struggled with was this. When they came, I think they forgot about the kingdom. 
we often, and I say we, maybe me, preachers, but I think it's, it's church folk too, is we, we often want to go out because we've seen some great things happen, but we forgo, forget about the kingdom. What if he had talked to the dad and the son about salvation and the kingdom before they just tried to go after the devil? I'm just supposing here. But it all goes back to faith. So in Luke 9, 1 and 2, he tells all those things that he's wanting to do. But let's look at verse 41, Luke 9, 41. Let's go to, the, you know, as Paul Harvey used to say, let's look at the rest of the story. So in verse 41, Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and, how, and, and bear with you? And then he says, bring this in here. Jesus looked at me and said, oh, faithless and perverse generation. He calls them faithless and perverse, but yet 40 verses ago, which we know that that was months, he says, I give you power and authority. But then now he calls them and he says, oh, faithless and perverse generation. I gave you power and authority. I saved you. I delivered you from drugs and alcohol. I, 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 I provided for you when you didn't have money for rent. But you couldn't even speak to the wart. Faith. Our faith needs to be growing on a regular basis. We need to have faith. We need to increase in our measure. We need to not only believe that God is big enough to save us, but we need to believe that He can deliver us from everything uh, that we're going through, struggles in our life, financial deals. Understand that God will supply all. And I say this often when I'm praying. When He says, I will supply all your needs, everybody wants to turn that into a financial prayer, but God says, I will supply all, emotional, spiritual, financial, physical. He'll, he'll supply all our needs but how much faith do we have all right where's our measure of faith <clears throat> so it goes back to having enough faith enough complete trust in and enough allegiance to god without proof that's what it goes back to we have to have enough complete trust and allegiance to him if we have this kind of allegiance, if we have this kind of trust, then we can be pleasing to God. If we don't have that kind of allegiance, we don't have that kind of, then he looks at us the same way and he says, oh, faithless generation. I believe we're living in that generation today. We're living in a faithless generation. I was visiting with the Bates today, Alan and Juanita, and, and, and we were talking about, um, and, and I've said this before because I, I just, I see it. I, I love, I love history. There's never been an empire uh, in, in history. You can go back and study some of the greatest empires the world has ever seen. The, the Babylonian Empire, the Greco, um, uh, the, the, the Greek Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire. Um, I mean, all these great empires. No empire has ever lasted more than 250 years. They all, they all begin to, and it's not like anybody, nobody beat the Romans. They, they, they. They destroyed from within. The United States of America, we're at what, 264, five years right now? And what's happening? We are destroying from within. We are a faithless generation. I mean, the last four elections 
we always hear about how the church didn't get out and vote. And you talk to church people about voting, and what do they say? Well, my vote don't matter. Faithless generation. We, we are seeing a decline in the United States, not worldwide, just in the United States, we're seeing a decline in Pentecostal churches. Now, Africa and Latin America, we're seeing a growth of Pentecostal churches. But in the United States, we're seeing a decline in Pentecostal churches. We're, now, now, churches that don't preach on miracles, churches that just want to preach feel-good messages, they're growing huge right now. But, but we're seeing, because it's a faithless generation. God loves us, but he desires us to have more. In order to have more, we have to have faith. He desires more from us. I shared with you, I think it was last week, Romans 10, 17. I got it up here again tonight. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. How many of you sitting in here, and I'm looking around, and I, I know pretty much most of you. How many of you have heard a message on faith before? Okay. So everybody raises your hand. I've heard a message on faith. It'd be easy, and I think a lot of people in a lot of churches would turn, you, turn me off, turn a preacher off, uh, it's teaching on faith, Hebrews 11. Heard this before. And they wonder why they still got the same measure they had before. I can't tell you how many messages. I, I've, I've listened to lots of Kenneth Hagin, Dad Hagin sermons, some of them many, 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 many times. I mean, some of them to where I can almost talk along with him but it's increasing my faith i've listened to ken jr dad hagan's son he, he came to our church in all good tennessee several times and, and and a lot of times i would hear him preach the same message that he preached three years ago and i didn't turn him off because as he'd get to preaching he, he man you could just see the anointing would come on him and he'd bring something else out of it that i hadn't heard before and it was increasing my measure i've been around guys like reinhard bonke and, and, and just, man, seeing their, 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 and it encourages me. They can preach the same message that Pastor Mike Campbell preached, but this is Reinhard Bonnke, and I'm just drawn into Reinhard Bonnke, and it's increasing my measure. God's wanting to increase our measure of faith because he's wanting to do something mighty in us. So we need to continue to hear and hear and hear. I like what the Message Bible says. The Message Bible says, uh, and this, again, this is going back to uh, Hebrews eleven six, 6, um, or Romans 10, 17, I'm sorry. Before you trust, you have to listen. But unless Christ's word is preached, there's nothing to listen to. Look at that. Before you trust, you have to listen. But unless Christ's word is preached, there's nothing to listen to. That's pretty good. I think that's the problem is so many times people don't listen. I was talking to, again, I was talking to Juanita today. And we were talking about different preachers, and I'm not going to mention any of their names, that will talk for 45 minutes or an hour. They'll read a scripture, and then for the next 45 minutes, they'll never give you another piece of scripture. I remember when I first started doing evangelism back in, 
2008, 2009, and I started going out doing evangelism. And one of the first churches I walked in, the guy looked at me and says, he says, what scripture are you preaching from? I said, well, I'll write it down. He said, well, you can tell me. I said, well, I'll just write it down. And he's like, well, you know, I can. So when I wrote it down and I turned around and I handed it to him and I gave him like 15 scriptures, he's like, how long are you going to be here? He said, you're going to preach on all of these? I said, well, it's all in my message. And I got to where from, from you know, now in 2009, I was fresh into evangelism. I was probably preaching in maybe five or six churches a year. In 2019, before COVID, I preached in 44 churches that year, plus revivals. Most of these preachers got to where they, they, they knew me and they were inviting me back. And what would happen is that always their media guy would reach out to me a week ahead of time and say, hey, pastor, can you email me your scriptures? Because they knew that I wasn't going to come in with just one and preach for an hour, hour and a half. I was going to give them multiple because it's the word. If I'm not giving you the word, and I have, and Juanita talked about that today, I just turn people off. When they start going off into their own opinions and their own whatevers, I just turn them off. I want the word. The word works, but we got to have the word. So that's, that's what's true here. That's what's going on in the church. That's what we struggle with in the modern church. Um, you know, somebody asked me, they said, they said, why do you do Sunday night services? I said, why not? I want to do more. And they're like, well, well, what happens when you go to two services on Sunday morning? Are you still going to do Sunday nights? I said, yeah. Are you still going to continue to do Thursday night healing school, Bible study? Yeah. If I had people that would show up, I'd probably do something on Tuesday night. My wife would probably kill me. But, I, you know, I just want to preach and I want to continue to teach. Because, again, we're living in, a, in an ignorant society. And we wonder why people are struggling with their faith. The more of God's word we hear, the more our faith will grow in him. And the more our faith grows in him, the more pleasing we are to him. All right? All right. I heard somebody say one time, again, I talk about Dad Hagen a lot, and somebody said, well, I'm not very much of a, a, a faith person. I think this was a Baptist preacher told me one time, he said, I'm not very much of a faith person. I'm more of a practical person. And I remember looking at him and said, there's nothing more practical than having faith in the Word of God. I mean, you just, um, you, I don't know. All right, let's, let's look at one more. It's 729. You got time for one more? I'll try to be short. All right, the Apostle Paul. Let's go to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Then, Paul, then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogue of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone round him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now, when you begin to study the book of Acts, um, 
And, and, and again, I say this all the time, I don't sound like a broken record, just as our Bible's not chronological, a lot of times in the book of Acts, we, we just try to put it all like Acts just all happened in months. I mean, Acts covered like 30 years, folks. And so we just try to cram all this stuff in there. You got to understand the, the parts of how, how all this works. And so as you understand how this works, you see again, as I was saying earlier, when Paul wrote uh, about his measure of faith and how faith grows, Paul's faith had to grow. His faith in the Lord had to grow. And in first, he needed to understand who Jesus was. Now, we look at this sometimes, and we think that what happens is that Paul got up and instantly went out and began to preach the word. He, he got saved, the scales fell from his eyes, he got filled with the Holy Ghost, and instantly he ran out and started preaching. But we understand from uh, Galatians chapter 1 that Paul spent three years in Arabia. All right, I'm, I'm going to move quickly real quick. Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18 says, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son to me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I didn't immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor do I go to Jerusalem where the apostles were, but I went to Arabia. Then I returned to Damascus after three years. So understand that Paul spent three years in Arabia building up his faith, spending time with the Lord Jesus Christ before he went out and preached. So he had his conversion, he went to Arabia, and then he came back and he began to, to, to preach the gospel. Look at this. So, so Acts, Acts chapter 9, verse 1 through 6, I read that to you, and it says, arise and go into the city, and then I'm going to tell you what we need to do. And then what happens again is we, we tend to think that it just fell right in line because look at verse 22, Acts 9, verse 22. Same chapter. Do you have 922? Acts chapter 9, verse 22 says, uh, no, that's not it. Back up one, maybe. Maybe not. All right. Okay. Acts chapter 9, verse 22 says, But Saul increased all the more in strength, and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Christ. So, so again, if you look at this, we'll, we'll go, well, Acts chapter 9, all of this is one thing. Because, it's because the, the men that, that canonized it decided to put it into one chapter. But if you actually look at, at Acts chapter 9, let me, let me flip over there my, my word. Instead of reading from my iPad where my notes are at. If you look at Acts chapter 9, so you go 1 through 9 um, is where he has his Damascus Road experience. Then uh, in 10 through 19, it's when Ananias comes. And then in verse 20, it says, and immediately he preached Christ in the synagogue. But we know that there wasn't an immediately because we know that he first had to go to Arabia, Right? And then in verse 22, it says, And he increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews. It wasn't until he spent time with Jesus to build up his faith that he could go back and he could share with others to help them. See, it was with, with greater faith, with unwavering trust in the Lord, with, with full confidence in who Jesus was, 
that Paul was able to come back and preach not only to the Jews, but then from there start his missionary journeys, which would take him all over uh, that part of the Middle East, um, preaching the good news about Christ Jesus being crucified and risen from the, the grave. What am I trying to get you to understand is that Paul went out preaching the kingdom, and we know that because he went out preaching the kingdom because his faith was built up, that he also did many miracles because it says uh, in Acts 19, it says that they even took cloths from the apostle Paul and laid them on sick folk and they recovered. We know that Paul cast out demons. We know that Paul laid hands on people and they, they recovered. We know why? Because his faith increased all the more. So I'm going to stop right there. i got a whole lot more notes. But, but what I want you to understand is, is, is we need to, because we finished last week talking about appropriating our healing by faith. We need to increase our faith all the more, not only for ourselves so that we can walk in divine health, but so that we can do even greater things. Because I truly, truly believe this with all of my heart. As this grows, as this church grows, as people come in here, as people begin to understand. We had a, um, a visitor um, Sunday. And, and I, I, I got to meet with her. I think you guys talked to her today. And, and I met with her. And I said, well, what brought you here? She said, I've been looking all around for a Pentecostal church that believed in the gifts of the spirits, that believed in healing. She said, and I've just not been able to find one. She said, and I found you on YouTube. And she said, I listened to some of your preaching. And she said, I knew that was the church. And so when I talked to her uh, Tuesday, and I said, I, and I said, well, how did you enjoy the service? She said, I loved it. And she said, my 14-year-old son said, I love this church, Mom. I like this place. I believe we're going to start seeing more and more of that. People are hungry. People are diligently seeking the things of God. And I believe in signs and wonders. I believe in miracles. I believe in healing. And I believe we need to do more to build up our faith in the things of God so that we can also see demons cast out, people healed, all of these things. All right? It's not just the job of the preacher. All right? You with me? Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to the podcast from the Assembly at Perry, Georgia. God bless.